Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to this episode of The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 8 at 8 Poker, a podcast that aims to introduce you and me to the players that we already know so well, but in a totally new way. Getting to ask those questions that need more than one minute to answer, the kinds of questions where the answers just give you more avenues that you really want to go down to get to know that person better, that's what I really love about my job in broadcasting. So for this podcast, I'm using a modified set of the questions developed by psychologists 25 years ago to try to see if they could get total strangers to fall in love. I've shortened the list from time constraints, of course, and updated some of them, but otherwise, these are the questions that they came up with to try to find a shortcut to get to know someone on a deeper level fast. Now, my guest today is American poker player and entrepreneur Faraz Jaka. Season 8, WPT Player of the Year, no big deal, four WPT Final Tables, six World Series Final Tables, and almost seven million in live winnings listed on Hendon Mob. He's also currently doing one-on-one private poker coaching, creating training videos and content on PokerCoaching.com. Thank you so much for coming on for us. I really appreciate it. Kara, what's up? Thanks for having me, and uh, to all the listeners as well. Super excited to be here. Cool. Well, you were the first person who was going to do a little bit of homework on the kinds of questions you might be facing. And you said you like listened to the first 10 minutes of one of the podcasts and then thought maybe you shouldn't prepare. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't say I was going to. I just asked you to send me an episode. You you assumed true. I was going to do the research. So know the vibe a little bit, know kind of what I'm getting myself into. But yeah. Did not did not prepare anything. Listen to about 10, 10 minutes of David Williams episode. Sounds like an awesome podcast. So let's do it. All right. Well, we're going to dive straight in. There are three sets of questions. They get progressively more personal as we go along. So it starts off pretty easy, just kind of breaking you in gently. Um, the first question, well, it's a bit of an obvious one, really, for this time period that we're living through. This is spring, summer 2020. Coronavirus is you know, on a lot of lips right now. So what are you missing the most about your pre-COVID-19 life? Definitely traveling, definitely touring around, playing tournaments, definitely mm-hmm. visiting friends. Um, I, I mean, a lot of people who know me well know I'm a vagabond. I have a mm-hmm. really hard time staying in one place. But it's kind of been a blessing in disguise to some extent because... For probably the last five years now, I've been saying that I want to stay in one place a little longer and kind of get a little more situated. You know, I want to do some side businesses online. I want to construct a lifestyle where I can actually live in a particular place and um, kind of be remote. And Mm -hmm. COVID has forced me to finally start saying yes to a lot of the coaching requests I was getting. And now I've kind of (laughs) turned that into a full-time business. I started doing the content for PokerCoaching.com, like you mentioned. So uh, now I actually have a fully sustainable, you know, several fully sustainable businesses that I'm doing for my computer that I can do anywhere. And it means I can live anywhere. So that's Mm -hmm. actually super important to me because I, like you said, I I love traveling. I love the idea of living in many different places. And now this has kind of made that a reality to me, for me. I I always figured Mm -hmm. I had a chance of being able to do that, but now I've I've done it. So that's actually been kind of a blessing in disguise for me. How long did it take you to get to that point? Did you go through like the initial period of quarantine where it just felt, I don't know, like you felt trapped or did you kind of dive right in and think, no, what am I going to do to make this productive? I, I dove right in. So the kind of being stuck in one place thing 
didn't really bother me too much. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, you know, during whenever it's like WCOOP or SCOOP, you know, for like the last 12 years, I've, or not 12 years, but since Black Friday, at least I, you know, I'd fly to London and set up shop or Canada or wherever, you know, all around and kind of do this like one month, two month and, you know, some foreign country. And I would just buckle down get in a cave and, you know, work my ass off. Same thing at the World Series in Vegas every summer. Um, you know, that's really just like a rinse, repeat, get in the zone, <laughs> get in a good routine. And uh, that's just kind of how I'm treating this. So it's really hasn't been an issue for me. Um, you know, def definitely my wife is missing some socializing. And, and I, I am too a little bit. I, I started doing some... Um, some like Zoom poker games with some of my friends or even some of my students who kind of get some socializing in and, um, you know, talked about kind of doing some like coffee and or tea mm. with some other couples and that kind of thing, which I haven't gotten around to yet. But, you know, I, I feel like as long as you're proactive about solving those things you're missing, then mm. um, then it's all good. You know, um, you know, I, I'm a problem solver, so like I'm never going to just like sulk and like feel sorry for like how the world sucks and how can I do these things? I'm going to try to adapt and mm -hmm. uh, think about those as positives because those are probably good, good skills and stuff to have when things are back to normal anyways. Yeah. One of the things I keep reminding myself when it does get a little bit too much of a grind is that I'm definitely stretching muscles that I've not used in a really yeah. long time. And yeah. that's a good thing for me. Like, I mean, obviously we're not facing anything super serious. So I can be a little more lighthearted about it and say, yeah, I'm learning new skills and I'm kind of figuring out how to react to adversity in a better way. It'd be a little different, you know, if one of us was sick or something like that, but for the moment it actually, yeah, it's teaching me a lot, I think. So yeah, and I, I, I I'm feel, like you, I travel a lot. So mm -hmm. it's a weird having to stay at home that it's like an enforced having to stay at home for the first time in a really long time. I don't want to take anything away from all the kind of difficulties a lot of people are feeling, but um, I do feel like it is important to kind of focus on what are the positives. And even when you just think of the world generally, like there's mm. so many companies, um, so many people that are just haven't gotten caught up to date with technology, with, you know, being able to let their employees work remote, being able to use mm -hmm. technologies, you know, even governments, like it's such a pain having to pay certain bills by mail still or having to do things to you know, whatever, like signing things in person and they're not on DocuSign yet. And now all these, you know, governments and cities and companies are adapting. And that's something that's been long overdue. So there are definitely mm -hmm. some benefits that are going to come out of this. And um, I, I think that's natural because I feel like every single difficult or, you know, tough time I've been through in my life, I've learned something from them. And it's mm -hmm. happened so many it's happened you know repeatedly to the point that now whenever i'm going through a tough time i just remind myself that something positive is going to come out from it um mm -hmm. there, there's a song uh from ziggy marley uh artist i really love called good old days and you know mm -hmm. the book he always says you know in, in five years these be the good old days and yeah. it's so true like in five years it's always <laughs> the good old days <laughs> <laughs> well, you were saying how, you know, you traveled all over the world for poker and also because you really love traveling. So the second question is, where is your true home? What is the place for you that kind of just feels like, ah, oh, I'm home? <laughs> There's a lot of places that feel like home. What, what, when, I, when I show up in the Bellagio and remember all the <laughs> nights I used to grind there, 
uh, when I first started playing for, you know, weeks and weeks, that feels like home. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm in San Jose, California, visiting my parents, you know, that feels like home. That's where I grew up. When I'm in Chicago, downtown, where I lived for a few years, that feels like home. And when I'm on the road, I feel like I'm at home when I get on an airplane. <laughs> um, I have many different homes. That's kind of how I feel about mm-hmm. it. Um, there's a lot of places I would visit repeatedly, you know, when I get to Amsterdam, like I've been there so many times, you know, that's another place that feels like that, you know, Zurich, Paris, there's just, um, you know, I've done a lot of traveling, but, um, you know, a lot of times people, I don't even know the answer, but a lot of people, times people ask me like, how many countries have you been to and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I've never been that person that's trying to like see as many countries as possible. I, I end mm-hmm. up, I just end up like, you know, I would go to Paris like two, three times a year for like a five year span, you know, same with Zurich, same with, you know, um, you know, a lot of other places. So, um, you know, and, and for me, the fun was like making genuine, you know, close, you know, friendships there um, and kind of feeling like I like lived there a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever been to Slovenia? Just out of uh, curiosity. I have not. I almost did. Um, my wife and I did our honeymoon last year and mm. that was on the list of places. Um and we kind of uh, were kind of winging the trip and we ended up not making it to that location. But that was definitely um, high on the list. Yeah. OK, well, right. yeah, I mean, we lived there. We lived in Ljubljana for oh. four years. Oh, cool. Ljubljana, uh, yeah. yeah. And it's an amazing city. And I think it would be right up your alley. So put it back on your list yeah. Just yeah, for after this sure. period of time. Yeah. Um, OK, next question. I'm going to say um, this is probably going to be your wife. What would the person who knows you best say is your most annoying habit? Uh, I'm super, <laughs> I get super anxious um, if mm. things aren't the way I kind of want them to be. Mm-hmm. And I let that spiral. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm very... I'm trying to think of the right words to describe it, but I, I try to, I, I, I'm aware of what are the things that kind of ruin my week, ruin my day, ruin my month, and that kind of pile on top of each other. So mm-hmm. I try to be very, um, you know, proactive about preventing those things, but to the point where I kind of, if I see something's piling up, it kind of starts to bother me so much that I get kind of anxiety over it. And then it now, you know, obviously that's just not productive and it's kind of making things worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some friends that are the total opposite that are just not, you know, I, I'm an organizer, like I'm a planner. Um, you know, I really think about the future, even the short term future. And, um, you know, I'm crazy with my Excel sheets. And those are all like good characteristics, but there's also like good characteristics to like not doing some of those things. And I've definitely recently had some like deep conversations with some friends kind of doing the opposite um, and how that's definitely limiting in some ways as well. So that's something I'm trying to embrace uh, a little more. And it's kind of weird because for so many years, you know, when I traveled nonstop, just vagabonding, you know, week in this country, week in that country, um, I was doing some of that, but way less. And uh, it's almost like I'm trying to find that part of me again. Um, Hmm. And I think it's just something like naturally as I'm older, you know, trying to be, you know, more responsible and kind of make sure kind of life taken care of that I've kind of shifted to this kind of other type of behavior. And I'm trying to kind of find uh, that that other part of me again. Hmm. It's like the pendulum swing back and forth. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Sometimes we tend to overcorrect it. I know I do. I'm not saying you have, but everyone in life 
you know, if you're aware and trying to like adapt, like just look at the stock market, for example, look at the price, <laughs> for example, like everything's always a pendulum where it's overcorrecting, you know, there's no such mm-hmm. thing as perfect, perfectly balanced. Okay, well, let's uh, talk about skills that uh, do you well. So what skills do you have that would make you valuable in a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> in a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, we're pretty close I mean, to that you're right a planner. Not, that's <laughs> yeah. not very hypothetical, right? <laughs> no, it really isn't. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm definitely a good um, organizer, uh, a good leader. Um, you know, like when... You know, I used to live in Chicago and we used to go out all the time on the weekends and do parties and stuff. I was usually the one kind of leading the pack, kind of organizing people, you know, getting people behind things. Um, You know, same with like a lot of business ideas. So, you know, I'm able to kind of, you know, influence people and get people together, get people, um, get people together um, in um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, to like unitize people for like the same purpose, you know, get people behind mm-hmm. a certain purpose. Um, and I think that's definitely important because, you know, I may not be the guy, um, you know, you know, swinging fix- the machete. <laughs> yeah, I may not be the guy with the machete, but I may be the guy that's able to kind of manage the operation and organize all those people um, kind of to combine and, you know, do some mm-hmm. same purpose. Yeah. Okay. Um, another question now, uh, getting a little bit more personal. When was the last time that you sang to yourself or to someone else? I sing all the time. Um, hmm. I'm not a good singer. <laughs> I just, <laughs> one of those things I do in the house, you know, with my family or my wife. Um, uh, what do you sing? Just whatever, whatever dumb tunes in my head. Um, whatever I've been listening to recently. Um, a lot, a lot, I mean, music wise, I'm into everything. So mm-hmm. I kind of grew up off, you know, hip hop and rap. So that's all I listened to. You know, that's all people were listening to kind of in my high school. And then when I went to college, you know, I went from Cal- from California to University of Illinois. Um, so, you know, completely different crowd of people, you know, got exposed to, you know, rock music, to, you know, country music, um, you know, really started getting into everything. And, you know, now mm-hmm. like my my... my my playlist will go from, you know, gangster rap to classical. I listen to a lot of classical, especially when I, I'm just working or play poker. Um, I really like music uh, with no lyrics because I'm a big mm-hmm. lyrics guy, so it really distracts me. Um, mm. But I pay so much attention to it. I, I used to write rap lyrics and write poetry. Um, so uh, what, what was your original huh. question? I think I lost myself. <laughs> uh, the last time you sang for the yourself or someone sang, else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I could be singing or humming like a variety of any of those things. Nice. Okay. Um, now getting into the family side of things, if you could change anything about the way that you were raised, what would it be? And it doesn't have to be necessarily a criticism about the way you were raised, but if there is something that you could change. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really... I really love the way I was raised in the sense that I was just exposed to a lot of different things, um, mm-hmm. you know, just in terms of, you know, I've been around wealthy people, I've been around poor people, I've been around middle class, I've been around people, you know, that are, that were, you know, just into different types of cultures, different communities. Um, so I really loved that part of the way I was raised. Um, and part of that was just me doing a lot of exploring. Uh, my, my, you know, my parents do come from a more conservative community and mm-hmm. uh, my, uh, you know, they do have this kind of really care about what the community thinks 
and you know acting in that way and that's something i'm super aware of and i i personally don't like that you know i i don't think that's a good thing but um it's one of those things where when you've grown up around it it's kind of instilled in you so i do have this people pleaser kind of um you know intrinsic kind of behavior mm. that i'm aware of and it's it's one of those things that you just you i'm i'm always a uh, i'm I, I really love the phrase that um um, you know, you can never, you know, get rid of your demons, but you can learn to live above them. And uh, that's kind of one of huh. those things that I'm kind of aware of and I try to be above, but it's it's something that definitely affects me. And I definitely like react to certain people or things sometimes just kind of over people pleasing. And, and my wife's actually the exact opposite. She probably could do a little more people pleasing. So in that sense, <laughs> we're like an amazing, we're like an amazing balance to each other though. Yeah. But that is I wonder if that's else. what, sorry. I wonder if that's one of the things that drew you to each other. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Kind of that sense of balance, really. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because my husband and I are, are quite similar. Actually, I grew up in a very people pleasing sort of way, very Canadian, apologized a lot, very, you know, always saying, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me, yeah. um, trying to make sure everyone was happy. And my husband's very Italian and Got just <laughs> very loud. And and he's like, everyone's going to be fine. They can deal with their feelings, you know, kind of. My, thing, so. You know, my, my, my wife... Um, has an Italian blood. Um, <laughs> grew up. I mean, that that was a pretty influence. That was probably the more influential part of uh, her culture. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, she she does a lot of hand hand movements when she talks. Um, you know, her family <laughs> talks really loud, and you know, has that kind of same kind of attitude you just described. So I see the yeah. similarities. Yeah, I grew up Canadian, uh, Italian Canadian, and I thought I was very Italian until I actually <laughs> moved to Italy. <laughs> and now I realize I'm not at all. At the moment, I'm living with my in-laws for the quarantine. We're actually uh, on a farm with them because where we live in our apartment in the city is in a really difficult uh, place for the virus. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm getting like a massive crash course on what it is like to live with your Italian relatives <laughs> all the time. So, yeah. Okay, another question. Um, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? Um, I have an awful back. I have brown man's back. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that. Explain. Outside. I have no idea what you mean. Brown people. I want to say brown, talking about Indian and Pakistani. I'm, okay. I'm American Pakistani. Um, uh-huh. I was born in the U.S. My parents were born in Pakistan. Um, mm-hmm we are infamous for having back problems. And I've had a lot of chiropractors describe that, you know, people in Southeast Asia, kind of the shape of their spine and the lower area and the way they kind of body builds, they are kind of naturally uh, predispositioned to kind of have back issues. So it's one of these things that I've, you know, a lot of people in my family, my culture have had this issue. So I try to be very proactive. I'm always doing back exercises, but I do have a crappy back. And Mm. it's definitely one of those things where if I'm not on top of, especially, you know, flying all the time, sitting at the poker table, mm. sitting on the computer. Uh, my lifestyle also doesn't help it. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of something I'm always battling and, you know, does limit me in some ways. So that is something I would love to just have disappeared. Hmm. Okay. Well, then that kind of leads into the last question of the first section, which is, if you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or the body of a 30-year-old, for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? The mind or body of a 30-year-old? Uh, definitely the yeah. body. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, you know, <clears throat> I look at my dad. Um, I look at a lot of, you know, older friends I have. And I 
feel like a, a lot of people still have like a very sharp mind and you know the and obviously that varies from person to person but um i don't know i i generally feel like i see the body is the more limiting thing for at least a lot of the older people that i've mm. kind of been around that in my life so i can't say it's something i've, I've researched a lot but um but yeah i mean i don't know man um you know, old minds are like fine wine, a better in time. That's kind of how I see it. Um, yeah. So I don't know. You, you seem surprised by my answer. So I'm curious, do a lot of people answer that the other way? Or well, what's kind of the other um, kind of perspective to that, that I'm not thinking about? Well, I think a lot of people worry about um, dementia yep, <laughs> and yep, towards yep, yep. the end and, yep. you know, not having kind of the full mental capabilities sure. that they, that they want to hold on to. For me, I'm not really all that fussed about holding on to my full mental capabilities. So, so that, that is something you know. that would be extremely important to me. And, um, you know, I've seen my parents, so it's extremely important to them. And again, mm. I, I have not researched this at all. I'm sure I will when I get, you know, close to that age. But, mm. you know, to me, it does seem like there's a lot of things you can do. Um, I know my, my dad's just always hammered in, like, you know, you got to keep your mind active. You got to keep mm -hmm. exercising. You got to keep problem solving and doing things. Um, you know, he's always in the backyard, like doing his garden and trying to figure out how, you know, to solve certain issues. And, um, and yeah, that, that keeps you kind of sharp, you know, having projects and stuff like that. So that's something yeah. that I would definitely uh, be trying to do once I feel like, you know, I'm at risk of, you know, needing to exercise that part of my brain. Mm -hmm. I think that um, poker players or, or people who have this kind of strange not nine to five career mm -hmm. probably have a I think we have a like a step up in this because we're not going to at some point retire in our yep. kind of middle to older age and then have nothing to do and be like oh I don't know what my life is supposed to look yeah. like at this point because I think that's not super healthy for people for like we sure. so many people have to wait until they get to a retirement age if they're lucky enough to retire and you know and then it's like oh okay now what and well, I, I, I don't know I also wonder if kind of some of those stats will change as kind of the current generation kind of gets older mm. they group with the internet because back there probably is a lot, but I mean, there's an infinite amount of things to do once you know what's <laughs> available on the internet, you know? Um, yeah. But I don't know. I, I also, you know, there's also the overstimulation, you know, like sitting mm. there 12 tabling poker tables or, you know, the amount of, you know, people binge online, um, you know, maybe that's overstimulation and can burn, burn out some kind of receptors. So yeah, we definitely live in an interesting time in terms of, just the technology and how much it's blown up and how much culture mm -hmm. has changed. And we don't really know um, how that's going to affect society. And um, that's, that's definitely going to be something interesting to see, you know, once kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, that cycle plays and out. I feel like we're not ever really going to know which pieces affected us in which ways mm -hmm. because things change so quickly. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like there's a control group, uh, you know, where we can be like, okay, the internet now, how did that affect the generation? Yeah. Yep, that is very because true. things move so quickly, but yeah. I am curious to see how things change too. Um, okay. Well, we're going to go into the second set of questions and the first one uh, might have to do with that as well. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about anything at all, your life, your future, something that's already happened, what would you want to know? Are there any secrets out there that kind of sit at the back of your brain teasing you? Mm, what would I want to know? I can't imagine wanting to know anything. Um, hmm. I'm almost, I'm trying to think of an example where I don't think that would be even negative for me. Like, so you said something about myself, something in my yeah, life. Yeah, you could, 
anything about your own life, about the future, about um, the nature of the universe, anything at all. Oh, okay. okay. It could be anything. Okay. Because, yeah, in terms of myself, I would not want to know anything. I feel like that would kind of ruin kind of my journey. Mm. Um, I mean, there's there's the obvious, like, you could know what company's going to blow up and make a shitload of money. And <laughs> <laughs> kind of boring, yeah. though. Um, man, so, I, I'd probably say something about the universe. Um, yeah, just, like, astronomy fascinates me just knowing you know just thinking about you know life on other planets and when mm. we finally gonna you know find bacteria on a planet or you know try to understand you know we're you know we're, we're learning so much more about black holes recently and we're able to kind of create technology that helps us learn more and more faster and it's changing the way mm. we think about things on the earth and um, I'd love to know more about that and I've definitely I've definitely thought about how um you know, I'm just not going to know. I'm just not going to know in my lifetime. You know, there's, yeah. there's certain things I'm never going to know. I, I'd love to kind of peer into the future of, you know, where that's going to take us. Um, you know, maybe something to do with, you know, being able to, you know, have, you know, planet to planet travel, like to the point where we already have civilization set up on other planets. Um, mm. I'm also really fascinated with the the sea, um, you know, we know very little about the deep sea. I've always been super fascinated about the uh, giant squid. I don't know if you know mm -hmm. much about that, but um, no, we've only, we've literally only, it, there's been maybe like eight to 10 that have washed up on our shores. We've never seen one alive. Um, I, I think just hmm. recently the first one alive was caught on camera and they're extremely, extremely intelligent and can do things like, for example, you know, what one of their predators is um, a sperm whale. And when the sperm whale's on top, you know, there's kind of like a shadow that got cast because of the sun, and it can transform that shadow to be on the other side of its body. Like, it just has all these crazy huh. technologies that we've never seen and super smart. And it just makes me kind of so curious, like, what else is down there? Like, the way you need to adapt to survive, like, down in the deep. Huh. It's just crazy that we know more about outer space than we do about our own planet. Um, yeah. And that definitely fascinates me. I'd love to kind of be around when we discover, like, you know, further down that journey as well. Hmm. Well, I think I read somewhere, even just in a headline, that doesn't squid DNA have some, like, otherworldly parts to it? Or is that actually just a whole load of crap? <laughs> I, I have Because it might be a whole load of crap. I but feel like I've there's something about like, it's like. I've, I've seen that on, like, like the hoax news. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, Leah. But I've never, okay. I've never, I've never actually looked into that. But I, I think, I think maybe I've seen that in passing on my Facebook news page and just like, and you swipe like right posts, by. I'm like unfollow this these posts from this person. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me, I swear. <laughs> I, can, I haven't researched okay. that, so I can't remember. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Second question for the second set. Is there something that you've dreamed about doing for a long time, but have not done it yet? And why haven't you done it? Something I've dreamed about doing for a long time. Thinking. Um, there's definitely some places I want to travel that I haven't done. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely some of those more kind of adventurous travels. Um, there's two of them in particular. I really want to mm -hmm. try take a trip to Ethiopia, and mm -hmm. I really want to take a trip to Madagascar. 
Hmm. Um, and I've not done either of those. Um, I'll start with the shorter one. So Madagascar, um, I, I'm a sucker for jumping on any opportunity or sorry, let me rephrase that. I get a lot of people ask me like, for us, you know, everything about traveling, you know, where should I go travel? Where can I have the best experience? And I always say, it's not about the place. It's about who, you know, there, you know, go where you're going to have a local that's going to show you an awesome experience because mm. most of my best trips were, you know, one of them was to Paris, but that's because I, I had locals there to really show me the real city. But a lot of my other really good ones were to kind of the small town called Ostrava in Czech Republic or hmm. to, you know, a small town in Ukraine because, you know, I had someone to show me around and show me things I never would have seen. And I could go into that in more detail later. Hmm. But, um, but yeah, so I have a, a friend who's um, half um, Madagascan or Malagasy. Um, so he has, you know, large family in Madagascar. And that's just such a remote place, such a cool place where I just feel like I'd never have an opportunity to really go on my own and fully experience it. So yeah. I told them that I will one day take them up on that. Um, Ethiopia, I've been really obsessed with wanting to go to Ethiopia. And it really started with going to Vegas. Um there's a lot of Ethiopian taxi drivers in Vegas, and I just noticed uh -huh. they're, they're just like the nicest people ever. And mm. uh, I think I asked someone once, uh, one of the drivers, for kind of about Ethiopian food, asked for Ethiopian restaurant suggestion, started going to Ethiopian restaurants. And I love their food. It's like one of my yeah, favorite amazing. foods. Um, so one time I was in um, a restaurant in London by myself, Ethiopian restaurant, sitting there eating. There's another Ethiopian man eating myself. And I just started talking with them and was like, you know, hey, like, so like, genuine question, like, I'm not just saying this to be like nice or to kiss your ass, but like, literally, like, I've met people from every culture and Ethiopian people are like some of the nicest people I've ever met. Like what, like, there must be something about your culture. Like, it's not coincidence. Hmm. Like, wh why do you think that is? Like, and um, he started laughing. And he was like, you know, it's kind of hard, you know, living in this Western culture. And he was living in London. And I was like, oh, what do you mean by that? And he was like, you know, back home, like everyone's doors are open. Like here, huh. you know, you're in your condo, you're in your house. Like no one knows their neighbors. And, you know, so I started talking to him about what it was like back home. And, um, you know, he's explaining to me that, you know, everyone's doors are open. Everyone knows their neighbors. And he was saying something like, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, like these bells ring and everybody goes home and does this kind of like natural drug like you know maybe, maybe something like a coffee or something like some sort of leaf hmm. that they they take i don't know how they i don't remember how they take it exactly but um and they and then they go and have lunch with their family so you kind of go home and do this like coffee type thing and have uh, lunch with your family and he was saying that even if you can't make it home because you're too far you just kind of go into anybody's home like you know everyone kind of knows each other and everybody welcomes you and that's just like super normal and hmm. That was like mind blowing to me. Like that's that would be amazing. That would be so cool to experience. So yeah. I'd love to go to Ethiopia and experience that. I, I really would like to go when I have some connection there. Um, I do have a friend whose son like shot a documentary there. Like that's someone I'd reach out to. But I don't have any direct contacts in Ethiopia. But that is a trip hmm. I really really want to do. I think would be an amazing kind of cultural experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the food would be out of this world. Oh, for sure. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. I think that was one of the first not typically Canadian types of food that I had okay. growing up because we didn't have a lot. I mean, I lived in a really small town far, far up north in Alberta. So it wasn't exactly cosmopolitan. Um, we didn't really have a lot of restaurants to begin with. You know, there was like 
pizza and fast food and all of that. So for me, when I went away to university, I wasn't very adventurous with what I ate, even mm-hmm. though now I, I will eat absolutely anything. And yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the best things about traveling is being able to eat all of the different types of things that go with people's culture. Um, but yeah, I remember going to an Ethiopian restaurant with a friend who brought us there and it was just mind blowing to me because it was completely different than anything that I'd tasted mm-hmm. before, and, you know, and I don't know, it just felt like a real eye-opening experience to just yeah. understand that food is something so different. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I can I can see what you're saying with that. Yeah, yeah, and, okay. I'm, a big, and I'm a big believer that uh, people who are picky about food, that it's, you can so easily change that by just mm. kind of forcing it a little bit. So I'm always, I mean, I try not to be too pushy, but if you're at dinner with me and you're a picky eater, I will definitely... <laughs> try to politely, you know, find something that's a little bit adventurous for mm. you, try to convince you to, to try it. And um, I'm, I'm usually pretty convincing. <laughs> yeah, and, I can believe that. And, um, you know, I, I, um, I have a funny story experience for myself. Um, I, I'm, you know, I eat everything. I'm very <clears> not picky. But, you know, everyone has their kind of thing. So one of the things I, I didn't like was uh, green olives for some reason. Um, huh. And, you know, one time, I think I was, like, just out of college or something, like, I had this big night planned where we are going to be out bar hopping, like, going to a bunch of different places, and I hadn't eaten anything yet, uh, and that's obviously not good. And I got to the first bar, and they didn't have any food. The only thing they had was these green olives, like, for the martinis. So there's this big old bowl of them or, you know, cup of them, and I just literally ate, like, 25 of them, and I hate these things. Like, I did not <laughs> like them. And ever since that day, I don't mind them anymore. So, yeah. so now anytime I try something I don't like, like when someone's like, Ooh, I don't like this. Like, I'm like, Oh, let me try it. And then I just mm. like try to keep eating it to see if I start to like it by the third or fourth time. It's like a game to me now. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what you do with kids. I mean, I have a toddler and uh-huh. thankfully she's not a fussy eater. Um, okay. She kind of grew up like we did. So she just tries absolutely everything, loves spices, the whole thing. Um, but when there is something that she doesn't like, they say to you, it's like 20 times. You offer almost 20, 25 times and they will eventually eat it and oh, okay. probably okay. like it. You just See, keep that, trying. Yeah, so you're I, right, I, actually. I, I, don't have yeah. kids. I don't have kids yet, but I do plan to. Mm. And... Um, I, I've thought about the food thing because the way it was in my household was, you know, mom makes this food and, you know, if you don't like it, then you don't eat. Like, you, you're yeah. going to eat what you make. <laughs> and I'm very thankful of that because I, I think that's why I had the taste buds to have. But I, I do have friends who were able to be super fussy and then their parents would make them something special. And, mm. man, I don't know, maybe I'm biased, but I, I don't like that. I, I, I mean... You know, obviously, if there's something like super weird, like you don't have to force it on your kids, but you know, if yeah. you notice your kids just don't like a certain taste, like, yeah, I really think you should try to get them to acquire those tastes. It's only going to be for their own mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we try really hard not to ever kind of make her eat anything because we don't want it to be a negative experience for sure sure. and it's there and she does she does kind of always come back to it because you know thankfully she trusts us so we say you know try this again and she'll try it again and usually she'll come around so yeah yeah. okay so another question here this one a little bit more difficult um what is one of your worst memories worst memories um so worse and also very exciting and very thankful i definitely would not take this away um about 
maybe three, four years, probably four or five years ago, I was in Fiji. Um, I did about two weeks there, did a bunch of island hopping. And on the very last, um, on the very last four or five days, I was in an island called, what was it? Vanuatu, Vanuatu with the V. Mm-hmm. And um, it was about two days left on the trip. And I was, I, I always play a Sundays online. So, um, you know, I was getting ready to, okay, I'm going to play my Sundays online, um, online poker. You know, it was a vacation, but I don't miss Sundays. And we started hearing about some kind of cyclone warnings that the weather could be bad and we might miss the, you know, flight. So I was kind of debating on if I should fly out early so I don't miss Sundays. And, uh, you know, just kind of figured, like, if it got bad, you'd get some sort of announcement or warning or whatever. Next thing you know, it's um, Saturday, um, or no, it's, it's Friday, I believe. Friday night, um, haven't heard anything, go to sleep. That morning, kind of hear some pretty, like, loud winds, and, and we're right on the water. So we start to mm. see kind of the waves kind of like, whoa, those look like, you know, just it feels different. Like, wow, these are like, there's something just different, man. Like, these are just powerful kind of winds and waves. And go out, have breakfast, you know, on a small little, like, kind of, um, I don't know what you call it, like, this little, like, 12 huts and kind of, like, a middle kind of area where there's, like, breakfast and all that stuff. Like, small, small mm-hmm. thing. And, um, you know, no one really says anything um, special. We don't hear any special announcements. It's like a Category 3 cyclone that's near us and now and past us. Um, and then um, go back to the room and you know go to sleep for a little bit and the winds start getting louder and i just start to like get this and it starts to rain so i just just to be safe i still didn't think anything was going to happen but i started googling you know okay how to be safe you know in the event of a cyclone and you know the main things were like okay don't go outside because there's things flying around and that's how you could die something just hits you in the head um you know windows could shatter places can flood so okay i got my little quick 15 minute kind of what to do in the event of a cyclone. Um, next thing you know, about two hours later, the windows just shatter. Like, it is oh, just man. like shit, shit got real. Um, so, you know, the water starts, you know, getting into the place and it's so slow, but after like two hours now, like the water's really filling up. So, you know, I was there with a friend and we both just go into uh the shower because there's kind of no windows there or there's one window there but that's like the strong kind of part of the hut so we go in the shower and uh, put towels over our head and just sitting there for like hours i turn on my gopro because i'm like all right Emily's gonna record this (laughs) and um and um you know my friend really wants to like leave and like let's go you know kind of panicking and i'm just like no like i read like that's what you're supposed to not do you know we're gonna stay here like if this water gets up to our like neck then yes we'll leave and um finally i heard someone yell like frost like get out like a tree's gonna fall on your roof oh shit and i was like okay like should we grab our luggage like no like leave now (laughs) sorry sorry he i said should we grab our luggage and then he yelled about the tree gonna fall otherwise i wouldn't ask that question Oh man so you know i ran out and um there was only one other guest staying at the you know there's i think it was maybe actually seven or eight huts and there was only one other guest there and then the owners and when we got out of the room I, I didn't realize how bad it was. Like, it was doomsday. Like, there's huge trees, like, upside down. Like, um, like I didn't realize how bad it was. It was 180 <laughs> miles per hour winds. Um, 
it was a category five cyclone, not a three. It turned into wow. a five and it was right on us. So, so this thing made a U-turn, which is very rare and grew in speed and landed right on us. So, um, you know, I literally ran out the hut, was going, going to like the center, like, uh, you know, area where the registration desk is, which is like the safe area. Like literally, like as I'm running out, I have my GoPro on. I like slip and fall and tumble and get back up and like run, get in there, like you know, and like just like super like hyper aware of my surroundings. And yeah, we were we were like in there for like maybe 18 hours, like had not slept. Huh. Um, there was some you know dumb lady that had tried to like take her boat and get across the river and almost died. And like the workers at the place we were staying at like had to go save her. And now we have these strangers with us, like crying, like who almost died. And yeah, we were just like sitting there, like hoping the windows don't blow out in this kind of safe area. And uh, finally the winds kind of calmed down. And then there's this paranoia of like, well, we might be in the eye of the cyclone, which <laughs> we about to experience the exact same thing for another 18 hours. And um, eventually it stopped. So we, you know, the next day, you know, we tried to drive to the airport. We can't get to the airport because all the roads are completely blocked. So, you know, with trees and stuff, um, we, we literally don't know anything. There's no cell phone service. Mm -hmm. There's, there's nothing like you're just like zombie apocalypse. Like you don't know anything. You don't know who's alive. We don't know like if the mainland got hit, we don't know if like help is going to come, you know, we don't know if all the food's mm -hmm. gone. And this is just kind of a three, four day thing. And every day we just show up at the airport and we run into people in the streets and like, what do you know? What do you know? <clears throat> Hear all these crazy stories about like people who died and like two, 300 people got displaced from their home. I think maybe 30, wow. 40 people died. And this is a small island. So that's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but um, granted, nothing happened to us and we were safe. Um, it was definitely an amazing experience in the sense of, just seeing like where your mind and your body went and, you know, mm. just like I had to go outside a couple of times and just like how like hyper aware I was and alert, like I hadn't slept in a day that was so mm. alert and my instincts were just so strong. And it was just like this kind of cool thing where like humans probably felt danger like regularly and we don't really feel danger. So we don't experience that part, you know, that muscle, like mm -hmm. you said earlier. So that was really cool to experience. Um, I think at one point I literally had this like Jurassic Park like scene where like I had to open a door and it went like flying open and I'm like trying to close <laughs> it with both my hands and I need like a third person to help me close the door. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I, I actually have GoPro footage from this and I've it's just been sitting there like in a disc. I've never even looked at it or like compiled it. I've been meaning it to do it one day, but I've been kind of lazy. But um, mm. yeah, definitely a terrifying experience that... Um, was um was an experience I enjoyed having knowing that I came out of it alive, you know? Right. At the time, is that the most terrified that you think you've ever been? Oh, for sure. I mean, I thought that that's yeah. probably the first time I thought I might die. Like, definitely there was mm. a chance for my die. Um, I, I had another terrifying experience um, actually on the same trip with scuba diving where we got lost um, a little bit and um, we we're, were lost for about like hour and a half, like with one of the guides and, um, you know, it, and everything ended up being fine, but it, it's a little bit of a scary um, experience when you get split up from your group and you're worried about, you know, your oxygen mm. running out if you kind of <sighs> figure things out in the next hour. Yeah. That's like my nightmare, I think. I'm pretty sure I have that nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that actually takes us right into the third set of questions, which was, you know, the most terrifying moment of your life. So we've talked about that. The next one is, 
when did you last cry in front of someone or by yourself? Um, when did I last cry in front of someone or in front of someone? Yeah, just else? by yourself even. Yeah. Um... You're not a crier? Uh, I No, I am. Like, not often, but uh, mm -hmm. pr probably the... the um, Yeah, I'm just trying to think how kind of in detail mm -hmm. I'm going to go. But yeah, my, my dad um, had some health issues maybe about four years ago. And that was definitely a moment that uh, I cried. Uh, mm -hmm. I almost cried to myself and, you know, cried, you know, with some friends on the phone, that kind of stuff. Um, but um, yeah, no, I'm definitely, uh, yeah, I, I think crying feels great. You know, I think it's, it's you know, I, I'm a very emotional person. And mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing. And uh you know, I, I like to kind of express my feelings and, um, yeah, I don't know. It feels good to cry. Like you just, like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like you, I don't know, you feel <laughs> human and you know, you, you know, there's things that build up and you let them out and yeah. 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 I don't cry often, but yeah, you know, occasionally if something, you know, serious happens or something, you know, really stressful or something like for sure. Mm. Yeah. I think one of the things through this whole strange kind of quarantine and being at home alone situation for a lot of people who are actually by themselves, they don't have a partner or a, a roommate or they're not with family. I've had messages from some friends and people that, you know, I don't know super, super well, but we're friendly and we're friends. And they've been like, you know, I just can't stop. I can't stop crying. Or I found myself kind of breaking down and crying and that's not who I am. And it surprised me because a lot of them were guys who, okay. yeah, aren't normally, who, who don't normally kind of feel that way, but being put in this situation where they're, yeah, yeah. they can't go out and do anything. There's nothing you can do to kind of get yeah. outside of the situation. You have to just go through the situation. I yep, think. Yep. 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 And I know did, that did, I've certainly were, cried more. <laughs> did, did, these were, these were uh, friends of yours or listeners? Friends, but like not super, super close yep, friends, yep, people it, that it, I care it. about clearly. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, we did not had those kinds of conversations before. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah, people and, are and, talking yeah. about it now. And I love that. I think that's really healthy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think this does kind of, um, you know, because I, I also do have some friends that um, they're struggling really hard just being at home and almost like mm. ready to make, you know, like poor decisions uh, because of yeah. it. Yeah. And, um, and it's interesting. I do see, feel like it's a correlation of like, it, it's my friends that were always kind of out and about and not really dealing with some personal things. Um, and, um, and yeah, it's like when you're kind of stuck at home, you kind of got to face kind of maybe some mm -hmm. of those things you don't deal with or parts about yourself you can improve or need to face. Um, so I'm yeah. not saying that's the situation for everyone, but at least in some of the examples that I've seen, um, it's kind of exposing that, which again, I, I think exposing things is a good thing. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I've felt some of that myself. I mean, I, I love to travel. And one of the things that I do is, I mean, when I travel for my job, that's like a break for me. I mean, it's work, but it's also a break because I have a toddler at home and that's very um, all consuming. When I'm here, I'm a parent and that's mostly what I do, you know, and I try to fit the rest of my life into the cracks around that because she's very young and mm -hmm. that's just kind of what it's like. So for me, getting out and doing things was, uh, 
not an escape, but a release, a way of kind of being myself again. But I think having been forced to be very, very sedentary, I'm very, yep. you know, staying here in a country that's not mine, where I don't speak the language, where mm-hmm. I don't, you know, deeply understand the culture. Uh, it's definitely showed me some things about myself that, like you say, I think seeing things and, and seeing the truth is a really good and positive thing. But yeah, it can be painful having to confront those and yeah. not have a chance to just get away. Be like, no, yeah. I'm getting on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go to Vegas now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And there is a line where the pain and stress is too much that, you know, you do need to kind of go do whatever you need to do to feel better temporarily, you know, sometimes. Oh, sure. And it's about being aware of kind of where that line is mm-hmm. for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big believer and a big advocate in talking about this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it makes me so glad, honestly, when people have kind of reached out and said that to me, or wow. even when I see them talking about it on social media, yeah. it's like people are saying, I'm struggling so much over the yeah. last few months. You've been able to see people go, actually, I'm really struggling. And yeah. I just think that's really valuable. I mean, it's yeah. really nice to have the jokes and to see sure. all of the different, like, what people's beautiful kitchens look like, or I don't know, yeah. like their cars and their yeah. fancy lifestyles. But yeah, I don't yeah, know hopefully I know, quite whatever, human hope about it. Right now, it's easy to say you're sad and you're struggling because it's like very acceptable. It's like everybody's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a really tough time. Right. But I it's feel a like pandemic. It's, it's harder for people to say that when, you know, when mm. there's kind of this pressure that, oh, everything's great. Like, you know, everyone's posting positive things, you know. Um, because everyone's posting negative things right now, so it's easy to kind of fit in. But if everyone's posting positive mm-hmm. things and you're crying and not feeling good, then like that's you know probably a lot harder for people to do. And mm-hmm. um, hopefully, this kind of makes that a little bit easier, just kind of going through the experience and seeing kind of the benefit of that. I hope so. I really hope that kind of honesty stays because yeah. it's I think valuable for sure. Yeah, okay, one last question, and then I'm going to let you go. This is the final one of the final set. If you were to die this evening with no chance to communicate with anyone at all, is there anything that you would regret not having said? Um, anything I would not have regret not Um, I'm a very big communicator, so I'm trying to say the things that are very important to me to everyone. Um... That's a good policy. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head on that one. Okay. Well, that's probably a good thing. If nothing <laughs> is kind of standing out to you, then you're probably doing pretty good in that in that regard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for being game to answer some of these more personal questions as well. I know it's not the normal poker podcast fair, but it's been really great getting to know you a bit better. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you. And this is awesome. Um, yeah, they're, they're definitely a big fan of kind of this um, podcast style. So I'll definitely check some of these out in the future and suggest it to some of my friends as well. Cool. I appreciate that. So thank you. And thank you everyone who's listening. I hope you feel like you know the guy behind the stories a lot better than you did before, because I certainly do. And there's a lot to love there. I'll see you all next time on The Heart of Poker. Poker.